I would like you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, and go to chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm going to start off a little bit different this morning. In fact, some of you that have known me for a lot of years, you know, this, this is kind of unlike him to even talk about this subject, but many persons here today enjoy some kind of sporting event. Come on, how many here like some kind of sporting event? Hold them high. Yeah, yeah, many of you, most of you, you like some kind of sporting event. Now, it's in varying degrees. Some are just like crazy about some kind of sports event. Others, not so much. But, but many people enjoy something. Maybe for you, it's, you know, football in the, in the winter or uh, NASCAR in the, in the summer or baseball is, is just beginning, you know, it's been going a little while now, and, you, and you're like, man, I just can't wait for that next Twins game or whoever, whoever your team is. And, and, and then, and then it, basketball season, right, is just kind of wrapping up, and some of you have been watching all of that. And so these sporting events, and I enjoy, I'm not much into sports, but I really enjoy, I really enjoy about every four years, in fact, every four years, the Olympic Games, and I enjoy... Um, particularly some of the track and field events. The, uh, the runners and the, the pole vaulters, that's really impressive. It's very dramatic. I enjoy pole vaulting, watching that, not doing it, watching it. I couldn't get six inches off the ground, but I enjoy watching it. I enjoy the shot putters and the, the discus flingers and just all that, all that stuff. You know, it's just fast. Is that what they're called, discus flingers? I think that's technical, isn't it? I enjoy watching those persons, uh, whatever, and whatever it is that you enjoy, whatever sport that you're kind of interested in, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? One of the things that they have in common is it's fascinating to watch the, the finest athletes in the world, whatever given sport, it's fascinating to watch the finest athletes in the world perform feats of strength and Feats of skill and feats of precision. It's fascinating to watch. And, 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 and something else that, that they all have in common, I think, uh, maybe other things, but one thing particularly, the per- persons who perform at that level, the finest athletes in, in the world, something they have in common is their ability to focus, their ability to focus on their objective. Notice that sometimes. The pole vaulter, the pole vaulter focuses on, on the timing and the steps and the, and the perfect planting of that pole and then pulling up and then perfectly. The swimmer, the swimmer, I've noticed, I've watched them, and the swimmer is, is, is very focused upon making that perfect turn and, and, and focused on that wall which, with that touch plate and and the timing to just reach out and perfectly hit that and be the first to do it. If you're into football, the kicker and the ball holder, right? That's what they're called, the kicker and the ball holder. They, they're both focused on the ball. <laughs> they're, they're, they try to ignore the people that are coming at them very fast, but they're focused on, on the ball, placing it, kicking it. The archer focuses on the target, they too try to block out everything around them so that it's just them, the bow, the arrow, and the target. 
basketball, the three-point shooter, the excellent three-point shooter, and every team wants at least one or two of them, focuses on the basket. Finally, the runner focuses on that, that thin white line that marks the finish of the race. Whatever high-level sport, and even sometimes those who are not professionals, note, the next time you notice a, a top sporting event, whatever it might be, instead of just watching the athlete's hands or their muscles or the things that they do, do this. Watch their eyes. Watch their eyes. Because their eyes almost always are focused very clearly on an objective. Watch their eyes. You have your Bibles, and in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it refers to the eyes. At first, it specifically refers to the eyes of those who are watching. Hebrews 12.1 reads this way, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then it says, and let us run with endurance or perseverance the race marked out for us. It's brief. Let me read it again. Since we are, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This cloud of witnesses, and you see that, that, that phrase there, this cloud of witnesses that it speaks of here in, in chapter 12, verse 1, refers uh, to the heroes who were just recounted in chapter 11. Whenever you see a therefore, it means it's a connecting point to what was just read. So, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you can read chapter 11 later. It's referring to people who, who were heroes of the faith, people like Noah. Perhaps you remember from long ago or maybe recently that wonderful, powerful true story of Noah who God called to build an ark and in obedience for the better part of a hundred years he works on an ark that saves just a handful of God's people and a bunch of animals. But he was a man of faith and so that's why he's listed in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Or it also speaks there of Abraham and Sarah who also in obedience to God and by faith actually started a nation. The Jewish people that exist to this day, 4,000 years later, was started by Abraham and Sarah. They're mentioned back in chapter 11. They're part of this great cloud of witnesses referred to here in chapter 12, verse 1. Or there's Moses. He also is listed. Moses was the guy who faithfully delivered a nation under the power of God, but he was the man who, who God used to deliver the nation out of slavery. Rahab is mentioned in chap, back in chapter 11 as well. Rahab is, uh, was a woman who faithfully protected a few of God's people and was very instrumental also in the, in the conquest of, of uh, a part of the, the, the new land as they went back into the promised land. 
And then also one more that I point out, and that is David. He also is mentioned back in, in chapter 11. He was the man who, by God's power and who faithfully, with faith, led the, the people of God. Now, there are others listed back in, in Hebrews chapter 11, but, but they were people who were, who were full of faith, people who were greatly used of God, and, and, and let me add this as well, when it speaks here now, ref, looking back to them in verse 1, this great cloud of witnesses, this cloud of witnesses has been added to as well. It's not an exclusive list. I believe in heaven the faithful people from that time to this time, the, the faithful people, the people who trust God, the people who stand up, the people who say, this is what God says and I will do it, those people's names are also recorded in a book, a record in heaven, and someday we'll know all of them. Looking forward to that. So it's this, this great cloud of witnesses that the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 refers to. They're people who trusted God. And Hebrews 12.1 also says that they are watching or the witnessing. You see that word there. They're witnessing. They're observing those who are still running. It's a bit of a race analogy here. It's, it's as if the writer of Hebrews is pointing out and saying, those who've gone before us, those who have run their race, are now observing those who are running the race right now. They're witnessing us. They're seeing it. And they're, they're, there's also in the, in the Greek language that this is written in, or originally written in, there's also an inference or an implication, rather, of, of uh, cheering them on, urging them on. It's almost as if these great saints listed in chapter 11 and thousands and millions more are cheering on those who are presently running. They're watching them, and they're cheering them on. It's as if their eyes, their eyes are focused not on their finish line because they've finished. Rather, their focus is still on those who are running. Let me just add something here. And uh, I want to be careful on this because I don't know to what extent this is. But based upon this text, based upon this text, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, um, I believe God can, at times allow those who are in heaven to see those who are currently running. Now, I don't know exactly how that works, and I don't know what degree that is. There's no sadness in heaven. There's no tears in heaven. So I guess I'm really glad that people who are in heaven can't see. But I believe that there are times when God allows this. God says to a part of the cloud of witnesses, I want you to see how so-and-so is running. And, and, and that they can see us running, serving God and trusting Him, those who are currently running. Well, so you have, you have in verse 1 this, this cloud of witnesses who are urging on and cheering on those who are, at this point, at the writing of this text, who were still running, still living, still trusting God at that point. The next verse, verse 2, also includes people's eyes. I want you to see this, but it's, directed, but it's directed at those who were at that time running. Not to those who've gone to heaven, but to those who were running. It's very much also a verse for you and me. So while, while chapter 12 verse 1 is referring to those who have run, chapter 12 verse 2 is referring to you and I who are right now 
living out, walking out, trusting God in our faith for him. It says this, we are fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There is so much gospel truth there in verse 2. Writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is telling the people who were right then running and who are right now running that we are to fix our eyes, if I can use this word, focus our eyes, direct our eyes, put our attention on Jesus who is the author and the perfecter or the completer or the finisher of our faith. And then it cites the example of Jesus who, because of joy before him, he endured. He went through the ordeal of the cross and he scorned its shame, but he then sat down at the, at the right hand of the Father. So these verses, verses 2 and 1 of Hebrews chapter 12, tell us that those who are now with Christ are watching us and they're cheering us on. But then it says that we are running and our focus is to be on Jesus. Our eyes, verse 2 says, our eyes are to be on him. Now that's a very simple truth. It's a singular truth um, in this text that, that we want to get more than any. Our eyes are to be on him, but actually doing that is harder than, than just saying it. To, sit, to live with our eyes fixed on Jesus is actually one of the greatest challenge, but challenges, but most important challenges that we can do. Whatever we go through, whatever we endure, whatever we suffer, whatever is given us, good or bad, is to keep our eyes on Jesus. The, um, the longer I serve the Lord, the, the more I appreciate this, this race analogy. Uh, and you see it a lot. It's a, it's a word picture that is actually used quite a few times, in, particularly in the New Testament. Um, our, our walk with Christ or our relationship with Christ is likened to a, a race. And so you see that a lot and you see it here. Um, that as followers of Christ, we're running a race, which means that that a race is never easy. You know, I, uh, uh, there's, this, there's this expression, uh, you, you've heard this, it's a 12-mile fun run. I don't know, I think that's a contradiction in terms. How many think that a 12-mile run would be fun? Well, I mean, it, there would be, you know, if you were really into running, that would be fun, but it would, even if you're in top shape, it would still be hard. See, races are hard, aren't they? Races are also eh, sometimes, sometimes short, but even the short ones, are very strenuous. Races are never easy. They're often long. And, and, and I like to think of the, the, my relationship with Jesus Christ as more, as more uh, marathon than 100 meter. That it's something that's going to take a long time, and you see, and we'll come back to the word perseverance, but it's going to take a lot of endurance or perseverance. Maybe the better way to put it would be, it would be more cross-country than in a controlled environment. Now, 
I'm not a runner. Um, I used to run a whole lot. I don't anymore. But but uh, I, I do know this, that, that in a controlled environment, in like a, a gymnasium or an arena, you're sheltered from the wind, often sheltered from the rain. It's in a relatively climate-controlled place, and a lot of the variables are taken out. But, but I, I think that the Christian walk or the Christian race is more like a cross-country event where you don't know exactly what's ahead, you just know that you're supposed to run so many miles in this direction. And in that direction, there may be a, there may be a river to cross or a stream to cross or there may be some terrain that's kind of rough. You may get halfway there and suddenly there's a tremendous wind in, wind in your face. It may be more uphill than, than downhill. And I have seen that in my walk with Christ. Uh, while, while I'm very grateful that I am in the race, if you will, I've also found, maybe you have as well, that suddenly you encounter some things in the race that you didn't see coming. Don't raise your hands, but how many of you have been running the race? You run the race and all of a sudden you go, man, that's a stiffer wind than I ever thought. I thought it was going to be a fun run. I thought it was going to be an easy run, but, but suddenly it's very hot and, and my legs are hurting and I just want to stop. How many times have you come up part of the race and you're going, I, I, I didn't see that coming. I, I didn't know that was going to be a part of the race. I didn't know that disappointment was going to be there. See, I think the Christian race, if you will, is more cross-country than controlled environment. Verse 1, where it says we're to throw off the things that hinder us and throw off the sin, the thing, the sin rather that entangles us. I get that. Again, you see it there in front of you and your hands are on the screen. We are to throw off the things that hinder us. We are to... Throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. I get that. Uh, Whether you're a runner or not, you've certainly noticed it. Have you ever noticed that never in high-level competition do you see runners with big rubber bands around their legs snapping them together? You never see that. I've never yet seen a runner carrying a big chain. Or, you know, even worse, can you imagine a runner dragging a rope with a grappling hook at the end? You never see that. Why? Because they wouldn't get very far. They'd get discouraged. They would quit. They free themselves of everything. They strip down to just the basics, the essentials, to cover their body and cover their feet. They they get rid of everything that they can so that they can run with endurance. I get that. Have you also noticed that swimmers, now this is not a swimming analogy, but but how about this? Have you ever noticed that swimmers never in the in when they're in the length of that pool, they're never dragging luggage with them. You never notice that. You know, I'm just I'm I'm swimming hard with one hand, but I'm dragging something with another. Of course, because if they were to do that, they well they might drown, but they certainly wouldn't finish the race. Let me tell you something. Christians cannot run well with unconfessed sin. You can't. You just can't. Now, I'm not saying that Christians don't sin. In fact, you know what? Let's just, let's just, be, let's just be real honest, and I need, I need full participation. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you gave your heart to Jesus days ago or years ago, and you've since 
sinned, would you please raise your hand and hold it high? Some of you aren't even, okay, let me put it this way. How many here have not sinned since you gave your heart to Jesus? Let me see your hands. No one. I'm not saying that Christians don't sin, nor am I excusing it. I'm not making light of it. I am simply saying this, that while Christians sin, living with unconfessed sin, just carrying that thing would be like a runner dragging a grappling hook. It would be like a swimmer trying to get to the end of the lane while dragging some floatable luggage. It's not going to work. You're not going to finish well, and you might not finish at all. See, if we do that, if we try to live our life for Christ, if we try to run this race with unconfessed sin, we may not make the finish line. Now, some people's theology is kind of, I'll be honest, it's kind of messed up. Some people's theology says, it doesn't matter what you do, you're going you're gonna to make it. <coughs> Listen, I've known too many people who professed faith in Jesus Christ, but because of unconfessed sin, did not make it to the end. And they quit following Christ. The race is hard. <coughs> this race is hard. But unconfessed sin and the baggage that we can drag with us can make it infinitely harder. It can, in fact, destroy us. But listen, here's the really good news. Jesus, Jesus, the Savior of our souls, can deliver us and heal us and forgive us. Glory to God. See, it's, it's not that we don't sin. Oh, I sinned. I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hell. I, it's all over with. I, I'll never see heaven. I'll never be victorious. No, don't go to that bad place. Don't go to that place in your mind. Understand that Jesus can forgive you and heal you and deliver you. We sang it this morning. What was it? He brings freedom and forgiveness and healing and repentance. Glory to God, let's live what we sing. He still brings those things. So this morning, if you're kind of looking at your life and you're going, whew, man, I'm, I'm running this race, but I'm, it's like I'm dragging a grappling hook. It's not maybe a very big grappling hook in my but it's pulling me back. It's holding me back. Jesus sets people free. He's the only one with his, because of his blood, on, I'm mixing analogies here, but because of what he accomplished on the cross, he comes out with his, his huge scissors and he cuts us loose of that thing. And he takes the bands off of our legs and he, and he cuts the chain that holds us to that luggage that's we've been dragging around. Whatever it is, whatever it is that's holding you down in your race, he can set you free. Amen. And then it says, we're to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We're to run with endurance, perseverance. I get that too, because again, as I mentioned earlier, it's a very long and a very hard race, and we need to persevere. We need to keep going. I'm going to say a little bit more about this in a moment, but, but we just it's, 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 it's not a matter of, whoo, I just ran the race and it's all done. No, it's we keep running the race. And then we get up tomorrow, and there's, tomorrow has all kinds of challenges, but we keep running the race. And, and, and then comes Tuesday and Wednesday, and, and then comes that huge thing that's facing you in the future and it arrives next week or, or next month, and, and, and 
boy, there it is, and it's a heavy thing, and oh, it's so hard, but I'm going to keep running the race until he calls me home. See, here's the thing. We don't know where the finish line is. See, my finish line, your finish line might be today, might be on the way home. I don't know. Just, just a few weeks ago, a dear brother of mine crossed the finish line. And, 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 and I just uh, on the way back, uh, in Minneapolis, uh, we stopped for a, about an hour at a hospital for me to visit a friend, a guy that I graduated from, from, from college. And he also is many years a pastor. And he has stage four, he's 55 years old. He has stage four cancer in his lungs, his liver, and his bones. And boy, you know, short of a miracle, his finish line is very close. We don't know when our finish line is going to be there, but I know this, he can be the one to get me through. He can be the one to bring me through. I might be tired when I cross, might be tired when you cross it, but he's the one who can give us the perseverance, the endurance, as it says here. That next line, though, is one that I really want to drill down on. It's the part about you see it, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. I want that to resonate in your spirit. Because that's key. Let that just rattle around in your, in your heart. Because that is what will bring us all the way to the finish line. It's fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's not looking down at our legs and going, I'm so tired. It's not, it's not looking at the surrounding things and we go, oh, it's so hard. The environment is so harsh. See, if we do that, it's a good chance we won't make it. But if we fix our eyes on Jesus, that's key. I don't know any better directive that will help us finish strong than that, than that simple few-word statement, Fixing our eyes on Jesus. So let me tell you something. In your race, when other people disappoint you, and by the way, many people will disappoint you, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. There have been times when people that ran beside me or people ahead of me or people behind me disappointed me in some way that's just part of life folks but if I get if I'm watching them and I see that they're faltering or when I see them and they're quitting or when I see them and they're trying to push you over if you focus on them you'll not finish but if we fix our eyes on Jesus even when people disappoint us we'll keep running so I want you to keep running when you run through the dirt of this world Boy, I tell you what, there's a lot of dirt in this world. And I'm not talking the stuff that you can rub between your fingers. I'm talking just about a lot of the filth in our world. And, 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 and you see, when, when we come to Christ, he doesn't just, he doesn't just uh, remove us from this earth and take us right to heaven. How many here wish that would be? Wouldn't that be nice? But he doesn't. We're still in this world that is whose environment, whose spiritual environment is abrasive and it's dirty and it's... And, and sometimes as we're running through our race, through this world, we run through a lot of dirt, and sometimes the dirt gets on us. But don't stop. 
Ask Jesus to clean you up and keep on running. Fix your eyes on Jesus. We can look, oh man, there's all kinds of dirt around here. And we can be so consumed with looking at all the dirt around our world and go, this is a filthy place. This is an awful place. What a horrible place. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We're moving our daughter in last week, last Thursday or Friday. We're moving her in and... and uh, the, the neighborhood that she's in, it's, it's not bad, but it's not, it's not Aberdeen. <laughs> and, and, and I was concerned, and I just, you know, you see certain things, and you're going, oh, Lord, oh, Joni's going to have to move here. She's just going to have to move here and be with our daughter. You know, you know, these things going through, you know, not really, but I mean, you know, you're like, ah. Oh. And then we're going down the elevator, and this guy gets on the elevator with us, and, and uh, he gets done, he says, you folks, he turns around and he says, you folks have a blessed day. And I was like, oh, glory to God. It's so good to run with others, isn't it? These churches around there, people love Jesus. Glory to God. But I tell you, sometimes we see a lot of the dirt and we go, oh, it's a bad place. Get fixate on that and lose our sight of Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. How about this one? When you're really tired and the race is much harder than you thought and suddenly you feel a pain that you never felt before and you get a side stitch, so to speak, in your spirit and you're going, this is hard. When suddenly it's more uphill than downhill. When the wind is at your face rather than at your back. When the race is harder than you thought and you want to quit, you fix your eyes on Jesus. And you keep running. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's, it's worth running the race and it's worth finishing the race. This is a race worth running. Let me say it again. This is a race worth running. Following Jesus Christ is worth it. It's going to be hard. There's going to be times when it's so difficult and so painful and you want to quit. And you see so many turning their backs against Jesus Christ, but you got to keep running. It's worth it. It's worth it. When someone tells you to quit running, when someone tells you you're a fool to run, that it's not worth the effort, then you fix your eyes on Jesus and you keep running. When other people loudly declare their cause is greater than any other cause, when they say their purpose is greater than a godly purpose, when they say this thing is more important than anything And let me tell you, there are many loud voices in our world. There are many loud voices in our world that says this is the most important thing. When you hear that, and when you see those loud voices, and when you see them in your face saying that that other thing, it's at that moment that you need to look beyond them and say, I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. There's no other voice that's more important than his. No other cause that is more important than his. And I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. To finish this race, to endure when other people quit, to make this one life matter and this one life is all we get. I'm talking this side of eternity. This one life, however many years he gives you or me, this one life is all we get. But to make this one life matter that will make all the difference 
in eternal life to come. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> I'm just gonna, this is extra, just for one more thing. Take your eyes off yourself. You know, if, you're, if, if, if your eyes are fixed on Jesus, you're not looking at yourself so much. <laughs> you, ever, you ever do this? Uh, I, I used to, like I said, I say I used to run a lot. And I remember going by this one route that I had, and I, was, I, was, I would always look at myself when I ran. <laughs> I looked a lot better then. There was a lot less of me then. <laughs> look at myself, and I look at those muscular legs. Remember, I was looking at myself once, and I hit a curb and fell right on my face. <laughs> it's dangerous when you look at yourself too much. And, and, and while, while, while sometimes in this race we start looking at ourselves too much, we start, we start just thinking it's all about me. Listen, you keep, fix your eyes on Jesus and you look at yourself a lot less. I often also hear people say this, you know what, you need to follow your heart. You ever hear that? You just need to follow your heart. That is stupid advice. Don't do that. Following your heart means your focus is on you, not on Jesus. You cannot follow your heart and fix your eyes on Jesus at the same time. I like what Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Listen, I don't always trust my heart, but I trust Jesus. And if I'm trying to... Parents or grandparents... Or, or if you're a person of influence on somebody around you or younger than you, or you're a person who speaks life into someone else, don't tell them to follow their heart. Tell them to fix their eyes on Jesus. I hear people saying, I've got to find myself. Good grief, man, I need to forget myself. I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. Find yourself. Jesus found me. <laughs> That's what made the difference. I don't know when or where or how you began your race. I don't know when you gave your heart to Jesus, where, even how. Um, it is important. And if you've never begun that race, you go, oh, do I need to go into training? No, 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 you don't have to. It's not like, it's not like the Boston Marathon where you have to run for years and qualify time. It's not that. You, you, you simply surrender your life to Jesus. And you say, Jesus, come, come into my heart. I, I, I want to focus on you instead of me or on something else. I surrender my life to you. Forgive my sins. Clean me up. I'm a mess. I got a lot of dirt on me, but I believe what that preacher's saying that that I that Jesus. So I give my life to you. And if you make a simple prayer like that, and you mean it with your heart, and you say, Jesus, I believe that you're Lord. That you died on the cross and you rose from the dead. I don't understand it all, but I. I believe, then you begin the race. You start running the race. And you start running the race. And you get in, and there's it's a big race. There's a lot of people with you. 
millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of people in every community around this world, people who are running the race. I don't know where, how, or when you began your race. I also don't know the struggles that you've had in your race. I know some of them. I know, I've know i known many of you for a long time, and I, I know some of the struggles that you've had. And, 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 and neither do I, but neither do I know some of the present struggles that you're in right now. I, I just don't. I can't know. I'm, I'm not supposed to know. Sometimes. Oftentimes. But I know this. You're in the race. There's a quote that relates to each one of us. It's an older quote, and it goes simply like this. More important than how we begin a race is how we finish a race. There may be some here this morning and you surrendered your life to Jesus many years ago or just a few weeks ago, but since that time you've seen, well, I've, I've, you know, really, really, then just get back in the race, resume the race, because it, it's, it's, it's one thing how you start, but it's also really important how you finish, and Jesus wants you to finish the race. I want you to notice one more thing in the text. Um, It's about two-thirds of the way down there. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Uh, The word perfect in the New Testament is often uh, misunderstood. It means complete. It means finished. Some translations put it this way, that Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. See, it's not all up to me. Jesus is running beside me. (laughs) I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it if I keep my eyes fixed on him. (laughs) I'm going to make it. So where's your eyes this morning? Where are your eyes? Are they on yourself? Are they on some other thing? Are they on some distraction? Is it on the dirt? Is it on the atmosphere? Is it on the world around you? Is it on some other person? Fix your eyes on Jesus. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. While they're coming, I would like you to bow your heads with the rest of you. The song that that we sang earlier called the Revelation Song, Brent, if you'd help us out there. Revelation song was one that we uh, sang a few moments ago. And uh, there's a line in there that says this, You are my everything. And I want to turn this place into a place of prayer. We're going to, we're going to, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing and, and, and then, and then these altars are going to be open and, and then when we're done singing, We'll close. You can either come to these altars or turn where you are or make your way out of this place. Today is, or rather tomorrow is Memorial Day. This is Memorial Day weekend. A lot of people moving around, a lot of different places. Um, It's where we remember those who served in our nation and gave their lives. And while I in no way want to diminish what they've done, Everything that we have is because of one who gave his life and then rose from the dead, and his name is Jesus. Would you fix your eyes on him?
would you, regardless of where you are in the race or how long you've been running or how hard it is or how close you are to the finish line, though only he knows when that is, would you, with me, say, Lord, you are my everything. I'm going to fix my eyes on you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for men and women, young people who are here today, young men and young women who are here today who are in varying places in that race. Thank you that they're in the race. Today I pray for them that you would help them in the race to persevere, to keep running, to not quit, to fix their eyes on you, to take their eyes off of themselves or the world around them. We're still in this world, but help us fix our eyes on you, our everything. We pray this. We pray together. We prayed in faith. And we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please, together? Let's sing this out. Again, if you really believe it, if you want him to be your everything, then pray it. Sing it. Let's sing this through. We're going to sing it through once or so. And then uh, and then I'm going to close in prayer. These altars, again, are always going to be open. Um, be people here to pray with you if you'd like, but let's sing this together. Worthy is the Lamb, the Lamb of God who was slain. Holy, holy is he. Let's sing this together. Lift up your voices.